Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent. The accent that is rapidly disappearing, by the way, and stay for the principles. I hope you'll still stay with me. I hope you're having a beautiful and blessed week. It's been an amazing week for me. A lot of great things have happened. I've got to meet some amazing people. But I don't want to talk about me today. I want to talk to you about some of the things that are going on in your country. And I want to share some good things and I want to share some bad things. And I want to put them in a, in a cultural perspective for you. So there's been many great things about me being in America. Some of the amazing things are anytime I'm in America, I'm always happier. I'm always more jovial. I'm more optimistic. I'm around your people. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But one of the really amazing cultural differences has been, and this has affected my mood, but it's also the way your people are, is that it's been amazing to see people smile. It's been amazing to have a human interaction with people where I can, I'm not seeing you behind a mask. I get to see your smile. I get to see your whole face. I get to have a physical connection with you in the sense of, don't do anything dirty, but a physical connection. And I get to shake your hand or I get to, you know, you know, you know, put my arm around you and take a picture with you, or I get to give you a hug. It's truly amazing that the power of that interaction, that human interaction, you know, I don't know if I shared this story with you when I was coming over here, people were saying, Oh my God, you're going to America. Oh my God. And it's going to be so horrible. And I, with the coronavirus, are you not afraid? Nope. But it's but it's a big deal. I know. But life isn't about how long you live. It's about how much impact you have. But, but you know, what are you going to do? I'm going to go do some public speaking. Oh, my God. So you're going to be around all these strangers and all these different people. And, you know, they, they, you might be in a super spreader event. I know. It'd be great, right? I'm going to be around all these different people. And if it happens, it happens and we'll deal with it. But then it was like, are you going to like, you know, when I was telling them I was public speaking, I was like, oh, are you going to like take pictures with people? And are you going to like shake their hands? I'm like, yes. And I'm going to hug them too if they want it. That cultural difference of fear over here, it's not here. I haven't seen it. Now, yes, I'm not going to, I don't feel bad in saying this or I don't shame shame anyone. Like there are people who have attended my events who've been very skeptical and who have been very, you know, standoffish and they've been wearing masks during the whole event. I got no problem with that. I'll never shame anyone for making their life choice. Why? Because this powerful idea called freedom says you do you and I'll do me. I have spoken with people to different groups where there's clearly very pro vaccine. They like the vaccines. I've also spoken to groups where people are very hesitant and very anti-vaccine. This is the idea of freedom. What I say appeals to both sides of the aisle. You do you and I'll do me. 
And then we will also have to accept the responsibility for our actions or our inactions. But there's also another cultural difference. And I want to explain why this is so inspiring to be in America right now. But there is a bad side coming to this as well. I'll give you a forewarning on that. So one of the things that's going on in Ireland right now is, and I'll use American terms so you understand, Ireland has their own Anthony Fauci. And just like America, our Anthony Fauci is just a swell, swell guy. Except one of the things was that he had that Anthony Fauci doesn't have that I've seen is he had a barrier to, to so that you couldn't criticize him. You see, during this whole pandemic, we were taught, we, we were all sold, and yes, I would call it what it is, propaganda about this man, that he was so, so awesome and so humble and so selfless. Why? Because his wife was dying at the time with a very terminal disease, and she's had this problem for years, which is a very tragic situation. But, and while I wouldn't want that to happen to anyone, it's a sad fact of life that everyone will go through this period of time where our wife, our partners, our cousin will be terminally ill with something, cancer usually, and they will eventually sadly die. Hopefully it takes a long period of time. But this is you can't talk to anyone today who hasn't had that happen to them or hasn't had that happen to a really close loved one. It happened to my father. It happened to my uncle. It happened to my grandmother. Cancer is very big in my family, so I'm not mocking it. But what you had was anytime you would have any pushback on him, anytime you'd have any say, well, should you be saying that? Oh, well, you know, you can't question his motives. Look at what he's walked away from. Look at the sacrifices he has made. Why? The one thing you need to understand about democracy and socialism and communism and Marxism and all those other ideologies is, is that it will play on fear, they'll play on your emotions, but they'll also make them out to be selfless. Oh, our king, yes, yes, he's a king, but he's a benevolent king. A prime example of this, if you see this type of propaganda, where it can go at its worst, I think is the worst example I've ever seen of that type of propaganda was in North Korea, where literally there was a period of time, and it was in the 90s, where the, all, there was a load of problems in the country. But one of them was a lot of people were going blind. And the, not the guy who's in charge now, his father was in charge. And literally, they, he allowed, I think it was Doctors Without Borders to come in and basically cure a lot of this blindness in people. Now, you think, well, a doctor comes in from a foreign country and helps you see again, you think you'd be very thankful for them, right? Nope. They were thankful not to the doctors who cured them, but to their, their dictator, to their ruler, to say, oh my God, thank you for letting me see again. That's what happens when you put government in charge. They always will make it out to be benevolent of how awesome they are. But anytime the Irish Anthony Fauci, and it's a guy called Dr. Tony Holohan, in case you want to do some research or you want to question what I'm saying. This doctor would go out and say, well, we got to do all these things. We got to see all these proposals and we got to, we got to have all these roles. And even though they hide between, behind the language, because what he will say is, well, well, legally, everything I say is only a recommendation. Okay. Well, if it's a recommendation, I have a God given right to say, screw your recommendation. I'm doing my way. You can't do that in Ireland because why we hide behind the language of recommendations. It's actually a law. And if you don't follow government health 
recommendations. You're breaking the law and you can be fined or go to jail depending on what regulation. Sorry, it's not a regulation. It's a recommendation. Or you, you can understand my misspeak there, right? But they both say, start with the letter or regulations or recommendations, you know, but potatoes, tomatoes, 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 potatoes, potatoes. You know, you say one thing, I say another. But one of the things that's happening is every time he would open his mouth and he'd go on the You'd go on the, the talk show hosts and all these different radios and you do all these press conferences. You'd say, well, you know, we got to do this as a country. We got to buckle down. We got to say all these different things. And we got to do, you know, this rule or this thing. And if we just do this situation, we'll be in a better position. And usually what would happen is it would be the talk of the town. And about 95% of people would go along with it. 95%, yeah, he's absolutely right. We need to do this. We need to shut bars down. We need to shut nightclubs down. You don't need to go to a nightclub and go dancing. Surely no. You don't need to go to the pub and have a few beers. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to have your communion and baptism now. We can do it later. We can do it later when we get past this little milestone. And then, of course, what will happen is that milestone will happen. And then it's, well, we just got to do something else. We always got to do something else. We always got to put our freedoms and our liberties down the throat. But usually everyone would talk about it. There would be a bit of pushback in some places. Some people are going to, I don't like this guy. I didn't elect Tony Holham. I elected so-and-so to be my representative. I elected someone else. I elected this party to, to run the country, not Dr. Tony. But they'd be silenced very quickly and deemed a right-winger. And usually in Ireland, they usually wear. That's the thing. It's not a hate speech thing to say in Ireland because they usually are. And the other bit of pushback he'd go get was from the other side where we haven't done enough. But anytime he would speak, it was literally like God had given a new commandment. Everyone was speaking about it. Why am I sharing this right now? Because here's the refreshing thing about your country. Last weekend, you're actually Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci went on the Sunday shows. And I'm sure if you listen to any type of talk radio, you know exactly what he said. In particular, one highlight that it's too soon to think about if families can meet for Christmas. Here's the great thing about being in America. If Anthony Fauci was in Ireland, if Tony Holland had said that right now, everyone would have talked about it. And everyone would have had an opinion on it. I'm in the country a week since this has happened. It's been amazing. I have not heard one person talk about it. I haven't heard one person say that's a good idea. I haven't heard one person say it's a bad idea. I haven't even had one person be outraged by it in just general communications when you're walking to the store. I haven't heard people sort of hug, hug, hold, holding around in a cluster kind of going, oh, did you hear we might be able to meet for Christmas? No, because where I am, it's not a story. Why is it not a story? Because there's this independent rebellious streak in your country that you're like, hmm. You think it's too soon to think of we can meet for Christmas? Not for me, buddy. I'm meeting my family. I know where I'll be with Christmas, and I know who will be with me. That is the power of the individual. That is the power of your people. If you take nothing else from today's show, because there is a bad side to this, which we're going to get to, because we need to talk about what's going on in your country. But the positive side is, is that especially down south, especially where I am, and where I've been for the last week in South Carolina, in Kansas, and in Oklahoma, there's a side that we don't care. 
You can say anything you want. We don't care. Why? Because when it comes to our families, they're number one. And when it comes to Christmas and our families, nothing you can say will stop us. That's the positive side of the coronavirus and your people and your culture. Now for the negative side. It's time to wake up, America. And it's not time to, you know, the way we, you know, when you're in bed and you're, you know, you're off that day and you're in bed and the alarm goes off, you just wake up naturally and you kind of go, oh, oh, I'm just going to have a nice little stretch. I don't have to get up. I don't have to do a lot today. I'm just going to just gonna ease up into bed. I'm just going to wake up and I might check my phone and, you know, faff around on my phone for a couple of minutes or a couple of hours, maybe, you know, where you'll check your social media. You see if anyone texted you during the night. You might check a few websites, might check the sports results. Heck, you might even go into TikTok and watch a few cat videos. You know, you know, you know the routine I'm talking about, you know, that, that easing into Oh, just going to wake up nice and slow today because I have a lazy day. You don't need to wake up that way, America. You need to wake up and you need to wake up quick. What you need to do is wake up as if you slept in and the alarm. You're like, if you do what I do sometimes, especially when I'm really tired and this tour is really fatigued me a lot. You know where you set the alarm for like seven o'clock and like you slept for maybe four or five, six hours in advance. And you're like, I know I've slept for like four or five hours, but just if I just get eight more minutes, I'll then be refreshed. That eight minutes is key. And you press it once. And then the eight minutes comes along. And you're like, oh, I just need eight more minutes. Just eight more minutes. And then you and you go back to sleep for another eight minutes. And then usually, because you know what happens with me, especially when I'm really tired, is it's three times a term. I just press it one more time. Just one more time. Just uh, I'm not fully rested, but if I just get this extra final eight minutes, I'll be perfect. You know, you, we've all had that situation, right? And then you actually wake up and then instead of seeing the clock, it's seven o'clock and you're like, I've got all this time to do. It's now 724 and you're like, oh my God. Oh crap. Oh my God. I have to get up. I have to share. I have to do this. I have to pack the case. I have to get on the road. I hope there's no traffic. I got to get to the car hire company. I got to return the car. I got to get it to the terminal. I got to get check in. I got to go fly. Oh my God. It's so much stressor. That's what we need right now. We need to wake up and we need to wake up quickly because what is going on in your country is really dangerous and it's really, really setting a bad precedent. You see, everything I talk about, and I've been speaking about for over seven years now on The Blaze, I've been blessed with this platform, is talking about the individual, talking about individual rights, talking about individual sovereignty, about how you are a free person, about how you have a God-given right to life, but also maybe more importantly, or if it's not as more importantly, it's the same level for me, is that you have a right to pursue your happiness, even if that makes you make idiotic choices. You have a right to pursue your happiness, even if I don't agree with it, even if the government doesn't agree with it. 
Now, once you're not infringing on other people's rights, like if you're, if your pursuit of happiness is, and I'll use the most outrageous one I can think of, you know, raping people, then clearly you don't have that right. You don't have a right to pursue your happiness by negatively influencing others. But what we have right now in your country is these mandates. And these mandates are going to put people out of work. They're going to cripple people. They're going to hurt people financially. And a lot of people, sadly, as great as you don't talk about Anthony Fauci and his Christmas comments, I don't see a lot of people talking about the mandates. I see it in some circles, but largely I see a lot of apathy. Well, it doesn't affect me. I had a conversation with someone the other day, and this is how the conversation went. I went, this is the most outrageous thing in your country. He went, is it really, though? I'm like, yes, it's an attack on individual sovereignty. It's an attack on the individual. You cannot take control of people's lives that way. Because if you start with a vaccine that we can compel you to do, and if you don't compel, if you don't follow it, we'll just basically, you'll never work again. And then what will happen is it's not like you can then live off the government because you think the government are going to give you benefits and not let you take the vaccine. You can literally destroy anyone in society. And it's like, well, if it starts there, what, what else is next? What's next? Do you think government, show me a time in government infringed on a one right and didn't keep going. History is very consistent over these things. It starts with something we can all agree on. And then it moves on to things that are less popular. But you will comply or else. You see, comrade, you will comply. Oh, comrade, you, will not, you, you do not comply with government rules. I will kill you. This is how it always ends. But this person I had a conversation with, well, look, you know, it's, it doesn't really bother me because I've had the vaccine and I'm okay with the vaccine and I don't understand the skepticism and I just don't relate to it. I've had the vaccine. My family have had the vaccine, so my job is safe. And I'm like, this is the problem with so many people today. With Excuse my French. It is the problem. Everyone loves their idea of freedom. What's funny is, if you look at freedom from an, an ideological point of view, everyone on the left, even the far left to the furthest right, and everyone in between, every person is okay with some level of freedom. What changes and what changes in the definition is how many. So obviously our friends on the left will have belief in, you know, maybe only a couple of freedoms, whereas our friends on the, the right, and I hate using those two terms, but will have a freedom of a load more different things. And what you see is a difference of what those freedoms entail. You know, some people on the, on the right will be more like, well, we have a right to the freedom to self-defense, i.e. a gun. That, obviously, our friends on the far left won't agree with that. But they'll say, well, I have a right to freedom of an abortion, let's say, for example. Everyone loves to talk about the freedoms they agree with. The problem that we need to do is if we want freedom to win, and that is the ultimate aim here. If you're not on the side of freedom... I don't know why. Firstly, I don't know why you're listening to this show because I don't make the show about sides or where I want the right to win or I want Republicans to win or I want Trump to win. No, I want freedom to win. I want the individual to win. I'm very clear about my biases and my objectives. But if we want freedom to win, what it's going to take is people on all sides of the aisle to reach out to the other side and go, hey, there's this freedom and it makes me uncomfortable. I don't particularly like it, but I'm not going to stop you doing certain things. The problem is everyone only wants to defend and debate the freedoms they agree with. But when it comes to a freedom they're not comfortable with, it's not that big of a deal to me. It's okay. 
I'm okay with the government infringing on your rights. And look at where we've got to in 2021. You see, what usually happens with government is, is from a philosophical point of view, and, and they game plan these things out. Is what they'll do is they'll start infringing on rights, but they'll never go for the big rights that you know will annoy like 70% of the people. No, what they'll do is they'll start infringing on the rights that affect like 0.5% of people. And they'll, well, I'm, I got no problem with that. It only affects 0.5% of the population. Well, that's not me. I'm in the 99%. Okay. Then it infringes on your rights. Government gets that power. Then it goes, well, we got something else. What else where else can we infringe? Oh, well, let's do this right. And it might affect 1% of the people. And then, well, you know what? It doesn't affect me. I'm part of the 99%. And then they get that infringement of rights. And then government just keeps growing. Until all of a sudden, it becomes to a principle where I'm going to infringe on the rights that protect 2%, 5%, 10%, 20%. Well, I'm not part of them. I'm part of the 80%. And eventually it gets to the point where We'll infringe on rights because we've set this precedent. It's how we do things where we're going to infringe on the rights of 80% of the people. Now, I'm sure there's still people who will still be in the 20% going, all those regulations didn't affect me. I'm totally fine with that role of government. Do you think you're safe or do you think you're next? You see, what you need to understand is if you're lucky to be in the small minority groups that none of the prior infringements affected, the reason you should care is you're next. And if you're not next, you're coming. We, we know we're coming for you. It's not like you are all of a sudden going to escape. It's kind of like being in a little cage with a line. Well, you know, the line at the little bug. And then he ate the, the spider. And then he ate the snake. But I'm sitting there sit totally in the corner. And the line, you know, is just going to leave me alone. What do you think is going to happen when the line eats everything else and all the vegetation? Do you think you're going to still sit there and he's going to go, well, I'm not such a human. Or do you think eventually the line is going to look at you and kind of go, well, I've eaten everything else, and I'm hungry. You're next. That's what happens with your rights. You see, what we need to do, and we need to do this in the best way and the most optic, with an understanding of optics and tone. I don't ever want to shame people. I don't do this shame thing. Well, no, this is why you should care. Or where we talk down to people, because I've seen those conversations as well. But what we need to do is have those conversations going, hey, this is why you should care. So let me, let me make the case to the person who I had the conversation with, but I want to make this case to you as well, in case you've seen other people. John, you know, this mandate, yeah, I don't like it, but it doesn't affect me. I've got the vaccine. My family are vaccinated. Okay. Why should you care? In case you just missed the whole analogy of the line coming for you, the reason you should care is because it's going to put people out of work. The reason you should care is it's going to have drastic economic impacts. The reason you should care is because of the economic damage it's going to do to families. You see, the idea of America is that you are a God-given free person and you have a right to pursue your happiness. And look at the amount of immigrants who have pursued their happiness in this country and who have been successful. Think about all the people who are now potentially going to lose their jobs. It'd be one thing, this conversation would be slightly different. I would still sign on the side of freedom if we actually were having a debate about science. Because what's frustrating in your country, and this is a, it's somewhat throughout the rest of the world, but we at least allude to it in Ireland. Natural antibodies. If you've had coronavirus and you've recovered, the antibodies, and this is a, it was an accepted fact, even a dummy like me who is not a scientist, who's not a doctor, 
understood this basic fundamental principle. What's that principle? If I have a vaccine for something and you have, the, you have had that disease and you've overcome it, you have natural immunity. And the natural immunity, because our bodies are amazing creatures, our bodies are amazing portals, our bodies are amazing infrastructure, whatever word you want to use, that we will produce antibodies which are far more effective than vaccines. This has been an accepted medical fact for as long as I've been alive or as long as I've been talking about different principles. But today in 2021, it's never discussed. No, you have to get the vaccine. But I had coronavirus. You have to have the vaccine. Vaccine is better. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Well, where's your evidence? Well, my evidence is basically a medical fact that's been considered a medical fact for as long as, what, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 100 years? 200 years, I can't point to when it became a medical fact, but that was always been the case. But it's just a case of we dismiss it. The conversation would be slightly different if you had the vaccine or natural immunities, if you had antibodies. It would still be the same underlying principle, but the conversation would be at least different. The idea that you are literally going to force people out of work because of one little clause is incredible to me. And what's incredible is that these companies are going along with it out of fear. It's incredible to me to watch these companies buckle and fold and say, yep, we have to have the vaccine. What's also incredible is, and it's, it's happening in your country, but it's also happening in Ireland and it's happening in England, where you have these sports stars refusing to get vaccinated and they're terrified to speak out. Why? Why are they terrified to speak out? Because if they speak out and say, I'm not getting the vaccine, and even if their reasons are rational, or even if they're the most idiotic reasons you have ever heard, they will be crushed. Why? Because, comrade, you can play all defensive football. You can play basketball. You can be famous. You can have all the millions you want. When it comes to the government, you will comply, comrade. And if you do not comply, comrade, we will kill you. This is the message you need to understand. But there's a situation where I think it's Kyle Irving is in, he plays for the Nets. He can't practice right now and he will not be able to play in New York. Why? Because he refuses the vaccine. See, this is the thing you need to understand, comrade. It doesn't matter how big you are, how well known you are. Government is king. Government is God. You do not comply with government, we will kill you. This is what you need to understand. Why should you care? Because it is trampling on everyone else's rights. What's also very frustrating is, is a profession has been destroyed right now. And it's a key profession in society. And I know this firsthand because I've started to date a girl. And her job, while I'm not sharing details about who she is because I want to protect her privacy, she's a registered nurse. She is refusing the vaccine on medical grounds because she has an autoimmune disease. And she's just like, I don't want to put this vaccine into me. I'm not taking the risk. What's really frustrating as I talk to her is she said to me this to me a couple of weeks ago. She was like, this time last year, I was a hero. Everyone was thanking me. I was going into work. I was doing 12-hour, 14-hour, 16-hour shifts. I was protecting people. I was unprotected. I didn't have a vaccine. And I was still doing it. And everyone was like, clap for the nurses. They're heroes. Clap for the doctors. They're heroes. 
Today, I'm not a hero. I'm a villain. Why? Because you will not comply, comrade. You will not comply with the mandates. Even though she's a valid medical reason not to. Even though she has natural immunity. Why? Because she had COVID already this year. She had COVID in May, I think it was. And she overcame it. She doesn't need the vaccine. But because of these mandates, because of all these governments, because of this decree from your king, she's a part of a company that has 100 people and she's never going to lose her job. How is that fair? In what world is that right and righteous? In what world is that okay? This is what we need to do. We need to wake people up. Because if you explain things in very calm, logical, reasonable, principled ways, you win. Because the vast majority of American people get some sense of freedom. It just hasn't been explained to them in a while. And it's time we wake up. Because if we don't, and you lose this battle, what else is going to come next? Oh, and by the way, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I've tried this and it doesn't work. Well, then may I suggest you try a more tactful approach? I'll explain to people, especially to those on the left, who are like, can you imagine if you have all this power in Donald Trump's hands? Play on the fear, even though it's not rational, even though it wasn't reasonable, even though it wasn't logical, considering who he was. Just think of all this power. Now, imagine Donald Trump having this much say over your life. Imagine you losing your job because of Donald Trump. Do you think they'd like it? Do you think they'd be like, yeah, that's okay? Or do you think they'd be outraged? Now make the case of, well, hey, you don't want Donald Trump to cost you your job. I don't want Joe Biden to cost me my job. But then make the case also how it's not the president's job to affect your livelihood. How you are a free and sovereign individual and how your rights start with you and end with you. And in America, the president has no power. finish up today's show by just talking to you philosophically about how we're all acting when let me try and preface it this way when you have a major disconnect between how the people are acting and how your government are acting it's generally never a good thing one of the things that always frustrates me And because I understand politics, I understand it's all an illusion. Literally, I know it wasn't made for this reason, but anytime I think of government, I literally think of the Wizard of Oz. Because that's literally the way I see them. It's all a show. I am the great and powerful Oz. Ho, 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 ho. And it sounds daunting. It sounds all powerful. It sounds almighty. And then you whip away the curtain and it's a small little old man. I am the great and powerful Oz. No, you're not. It's all an act. And the thing is, we buy into this act. We believe the hype. We believe the propaganda. One of the reasons I hate DC, and there are many reasons I've been to it a couple of times, I always feel like I need to shower or not even share, like I feel like I need to like de-cleanse myself for days after going to DC. It's not a nice place. 
which is upsets me because it's, there's so much history there. That upsets me because I love George Washington, as you all know. And having a place named Washington after that wonderful, great man who influenced so many people and influenced so much good in your nation. To have a place named after him be literally the worst and most vile cesspit of all time upsets me. But one of the reasons is, is because politicians live in a bubble. One of the things that always annoys me is, I tra- and I especially because I can say this because I travel around your country. It's not like I'm just going to major cities. Like I'm traveling to small towns and, you know, especially this tour, you know, 65 events in 85 days in 15 states. I'm traveling a lot. But anytime you go to D.C., it's the exact opposite to what everyone else is because it's a bubble. In D.C., you'll always see commercial activity. In D.C., you'll always see new buildings. In D.C., you'll always see roadworks. In D.C., you'll always see improvements, quote-unquote, government infrastructure. D.C. is always this hustling, bustling place of commerce. And that's what politicians see all the time. And then you leave D.C. and it's not that. It's hard to think that, hey, you know, there's other places that are struggling. It's hard to think that there's not much investment in other places, quote unquote. I'll use the language of the left. Why not? Investments. That's what we call them, right? But you see the difference, the polar opposites. D.C. is always improving, quote unquote. It's always investing. Other places aren't. Why? Because D.C. always has to be hustling and bustling because a lot of these people never really leave D.C. And that's what they think all of America is, but it's not. It doesn't even need all that investment. But I just want to take a few minutes out and just think about how, you're, how you've lived your life since coronavirus and how D.C. has lived its You see, one of the saddest things and one of the reasons I speak out against government so much is because I see the impacts it's had on society. And it always upsets me. While I don't do the class warfare, I'm not going to lie. I always get upset when it affects people on the poorest the most. Because as I, you know, the prime example of this is inflation. And one simple policy of the gas prices. And I always use my boss, Glenn Beck, as an example, because he's a very well-off guy and you know him. Look, if Glenn Beck has to pay $3 a gallon for gas, it's going to affect him. He has to pay three fifty. dollars He might moan about it. He might complain about it. But at the end of the day, Glenn's still living a pretty good lifestyle. You think of the person who's on minimum wage. You think of the single mom. If she's got to pay $3.50 or a really low-income family, and they've got to pay $3.50, it's going to affect them a lot worse. Why? Because government got involved. But I just want to take just a few minutes just to talk to you from a philosophical point of view and ask you, how has your life changed since coronavirus? Just think about it. It's January 1st, 2020. Think about your life then. Think about how you lived and think about how your life is now. I can't focus in on one person, but I'll focus in on some of the problems I've seen in the last 18, 19 months. Or if we go back to January 1st, 21 months, a lot of people have lost their job. A lot of people have been out of work for a very long time. A lot of people have had to make some type of cutbacks. Prior to 2020, a vacation might have been, you know, pretty standard in your life, right? Now, it might have been anything fancy, but you would have might go to, 
You know, you might have went to, you know, Mount Rushmore or you might have done a big celebration for Independence Day or you might have done an extra big celebration at Thanksgiving or you might have went to see some families up north or down south. But you travel. Are you still able to do that? Are you able to go to the grocery store without having to worry about being on a budget? Because things in your country are incredibly expensive. I bought a, a fruit bowl in Walmart the other day. And I just picked it up and I, it was um, two different types of melon, grapes, mango and pineapple. I was like, that'd be nice. I can eat that for like the next two, three days for kind of breakfast, quote unquote, or lunch. And then I saw the receipt and it was like, I think it was $9.88 plus tax. $9.88 for like a fruit bowl. Incredible. I see things of um, little, like these are little examples. I've uh, been having a bit of a problem with my chest. I was very sick. I had an asthma attack over a week ago and I'm still not 100%. But um, there's this thing called Delsum. It's a cough bottle. I'm sure if you have kids or you've been sick, you know what it is. Uh, the cheapest one I have found has been like 13 bucks. 13 bucks for a cough bottle. I see things like, you know, things like just things that you would have in everyday staples, like meat through the roof. Think about how what you could buy for $100 or $200, depending on the size of your family, on January 1st, 2020. And think about what you could buy today. I shared a story a couple of weeks ago, and it was funny, but, you know, the Dairy Queen, I had a large chocolate malt and a Dairy Queen. It cost me $7.80. Just think of the purchasing power been eroded for you and your family over the last 21 months. It's real, right? You can feel it. You can feel the pain. Now, imagine you were out of work. Imagine you were a, a bartender. Imagine you're a chef. And imagine you're a chef in like some of these places like New York where they're really struggling to bounce back. Why? Because there's all these vaccine mandates and where people are still skepticism. Or where you're, you know, if you're a resort that's really based heavily on tourism and because other people are hurting more, they can't go to your tourist resort anymore. And you're really struggling. Yes, you're working, but instead of working 40 or a full-time job, you might be only working 30 hours. Think about all the pain that you're going through. Think about all the costs that are going up in your life. Think about how your budget feels right now. Do you have job security? Does anyone really have job security in 2021? Because especially if you're in the service industry, you might be working now. But imagine you're in New York, or especially some of these states like New York or Michigan, and you're in the service industry. Are you really telling me you feel secure in your job right now? Are you really telling me that come December, you can't see as somewhat, even whether you can debate whether it's likely or somewhat likely or really likely that you'll be out of work again? Why? Because the, the state's going to shut down. Why? Because coronavirus numbers have gone up. Just think about all these things. Think about the insecurities that you have in your lifestyle right now. Think about the, the, the cost of everything. And think about what you have done to negate those costs. You've had to cut back in some places, right? Your standard of living isn't as good, right? Now just think of all that pain and now let's look to DC. How is DC acting? Has DC cut back its belt? You know, I obviously can't watch as much news as I probably should because number one, it really annoys me. But two, when I'm traveling, I'm traveling so much, I don't get the time to sit down and go through all these news, but I'm, I'm following the highlights. 
And it seems every bill that seems to be discussed in your nation, can, it's like there seems to be this new unwritten rule in DC. If the bill doesn't cost at least a trillion dollars, we're not going to even talk about it. I, I, I'd actually be refreshing if, and, and they, they could pose as, as the most conservative hawk in the world, if, well, we're proposing this infrastructure bill and it's not $1.3 trillion. No, because we're conservatives. It's only, and I'm going to pick a random number out of my head. I don't know what this number means. Oh, $787 billion. That would be considered fiscally conservative today. And you'd be considered hateful for proposing it. But look at how it is. Has DC spending changed? Has DC felt the pain? Have these politicians felt the pain? Because they're the ones who shut you down. They're the ones who affected your life. They're the ones who affected your business. Have their lives changed? Or are they still living in a cushy little bubble? How about DC as a whole, as a collective? Is it hurting? Or is it just constantly spend, spend, spend? And heck, we need to spend more. It must be great to have that luxury, right? Must be great. Imagine you going through all the pain. Imagine you sitting down with your wife or your partner or your kids. I'm going to go, yeah, I know I've lost my job. And yeah, I know I have all these things. And yes, the coronavirus. And I have no idea what the future holds. But you know what we're going to do? Now's the time we're going to open a cash book. Now's the time to spend like we have never spent before. Hey, I'm off my, you know, I lost my job because of coronavirus. Now's the time for a big, expensive vacation, kids. Imagine doing that. What would we think? Except that's not what really DC is doing. You see, the equivalent of what DC is doing is it's looking around, and I'll use a family example, where the parents have both lost their job because of coronavirus, and they're really struggling financially. And they think the answer is, well, they look at their kids as cash cows and kind of go, <laughs> those poor kids, you know, they're only 12 and 9 and 8 and 4. It's a big family. They have their whole future to head. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to get a credit card in each of their name. And I'm going to get the bank to agree that they don't have to pay anything till they're 18 years of age. But then, you know, they'll, they'll be 18 and look, they'll work till 65. They'll have 47 years to pay it off. That'd be a low interest one. So, it's, I'm, you know, because I'm not totally stupid, but I get a credit card in each of my kids' name and let's go kids. Let's go have some fun. Would we think that is somehow noble? Would we be like, you know what? That's dad of the year candidate right there. That's what a classy dad does. Or would we literally look and go, You're an, you are the biggest jerk going. What have you done? And then we'd look at the bank and kind of go, what the hell are you thinking? But that's what DC is doing. Regardless of whether the economy grows or shrinks or shuts down, guess what happens? DC keeps spending. DC keeps borrowing and borrowing trillions of dollars in your kids and your grandkids' name, the amounts that they will never have even the possibility of paying back. All for instant gratification right now. And so their friends and lobbyists can get rich. Think about this for a minute. How is this fair? The reason I'm sharing these stories with you is to try and wake you up, but also to try and say, that there's large amounts of American people on both sides of the aisle who don't think this is right. The problem is, is for so many people, you literally are looking for the Trump answer or looking for the Republican answer or looking for the Democratic answer. The time 
to wake up is now. The time to start making the case, not for the left-right answer or the Democratic or Republican answer or the Trump answer or the Biden answer. It's time to wake up and seek the American answer. Because if you do, you win. You can start a renaissance in your country where we actually understand the principles of liberty, where we understand why America was an exceptional nation, why America changed the world in the first place. You can do that if you seek the American answer. If you just seek the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, you will not win. You will lose as a collective. You will lose as a country. But there are solutions because people are feeling the pain. And while it's easy and it's become popular in some circles I see who are more political, who are like, oh, you know, uh, I could really go around, you know, using $1.80 gas right now and a few mean tweets. Who's, who's going to see that and come on your side? Seriously? The level of arguments in your country are ridiculous from both sides of the aisle. Who do you think is going to see that? What Joe Biden supporter is going to see that? And kind of, oh, yeah, you're right. I should have voted for Trump. Really? But it makes us all feel good, right? Wake up. Your country is at stake. Your country, your future is at stake. It's time to start making the arguments, not in a way that makes us feel good or not in a smart-ass way, but in a principled American way. Because believe me, and I tell you this, there is hope in your country. There are a lot of bad things coming, but the hope comes from your principles. The hope comes from your people. And you have such oppression right now and you have such government overreach right now that it has never been easier to make the case for freedom. Stop making the political argument and start making the principled arguments. Because if you do, you win. If you don't, you lose. And for my role, I'm all in. I'm not just sitting here in Ireland 6,000 miles away going, well, if I was an American, this is what I'd do. I'm all in right beside you. I've invested my life savings in this tour. I'm traveling myself to the bone to make this tour happen. I've had zero downtime, with the exception of a few hours here and there. If I'm not traveling, I'm organizing travel. If I'm not doing that, I'm speaking. If I'm not doing that, I'm doing media. If I'm not doing that, I'm answering correspondence from you. I'm not here to have fun. I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. So if you think, if there's even 1% of you thinks, I don't believe everything I say, I'm proof. I'm doing it. I'm all in. And you can be too. If you just put the politics aside and start making the case for why America is not a great nation, but why you're an exceptional one. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, I salute you, the great American people. Never ever forget, America is great because Americans are good. Not DC, but your people. And your people rising up will help you save your nation, will help you save the idea. Until next Saturday, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.